at no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Of course, we have rational thoughts. We have those all the time in the show. I just love that opening because it makes makes me laugh. Um, today's guest is uh, man. It's it's uh, it's rare they get somebody on the show who's not only a brilliant author, a great businessman, also a dear friend. So um, I could I could wax on for hours about this guy, but we're gonna do that with him on the camera. I'm on the hot seat here. Um, he has got such a um, amazing history to him. I'm not gonna give you a long introduction. Just understand this man has got more wisdom and life experience than all of us put together, and he's here to share with us today. So welcome to the show, Mr. Les Whitney. Les, how are you today? I'm well. How are you today? Doing good, thank you. So we also want to start show for some reason. The one, you know, people are looking at this, looking at our, go our good-looking faces, going, why should I listen to these guys today? And the reason would be... Well, no matter what happens in our life, I really believe we can find a good life in, ahead of us. And so everything I do is about living a good life for the rest of my life, regardless of what's happened to me. Which means a lot coming from you, and we're going to find out why in a minute. But living a good life is easy when there's, uh, I'll just put it bluntly, when there's, hey, no end in sight, your life's ahead of you, you got a lot to look forward to. But in your case, you had some, uh, some news a few years ago that was... Um, unusual for most people. So you want to share with us what that was and give us your background? Sure. In, in January of uh, 2019, I was diagnosed with a malignant brain tumor and stage four lung cancer. I had about a 50% chance to make it through 2019 and about a 1% chance to make it to today. And here I am, living a great life. I have had so many wonderful lessons and wonderful gifts that have happened to me as a result of this journey. And I'm still here and thriving. And yet there's a good chance I won't be here next Christmas. So yeah. um, I live every day as if it's my last. Because someday you'll be right. And it's, yes. yeah, 1% chance, a 1% chance you'd be here today. That was from the, the lung or the brain cancer? Which part of it? I mean, it's the lung cancer, stage lung. four, incurable stage four lung cancer. Yeah. 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 The brain wow. tumor, um, because we caught it, we were able to get rid of it through surgery. Mm -hmm. Great. Okay. So, Les, that's um, number one. Thank you so much for being on the show today. It means a lot. Um, and I've known you since we have been talking for a while now about your journey. And I keep, I'm always at, re-impressed with your attitude and whatnot. And that's not to say you didn't have some down moments, but throughout it all, because there's been like, I think you told me 67 chemo treatments so far. 67 chemo treatments. And the average person goes through how many? Um, eight to 10 with you know, different types of cancer have different types of treatment. Um, right. But eight, 10, 12, and then they're in remission. Um, right. Mine, it's the cancer, the chemo is not designed to cure me. The right. chemo is to keep the cancer from growing. And so I have to get it every three weeks for the rest of my life. Jeez. And um, number one, you got all your hair, which is unusual. So we, we <laughs> like yep. that. I don't think people who haven't experienced that understand how, how debilitating that is when you go through that treatment. 
So you want to give us a little, little background on what that's like to go and get that and how, how you feel whatnot when you go through that? Well, oh, chemo is probably the most awful experience anyone can go through. It, it, it's awful. I get the chemo on a Friday and um, as soon as I walk out of the chemo, I'm exhausted. I'm ready to fall asleep. We go home and I just turn into a zombie. Yeah. What's interesting is my brain goes away. I My brain turns to mush. I cannot think clearly. I can't do any kind of cognitive work for four or five days. It lasts yeah. that long. So the first couple of days, I can function in the morning a little bit. By the afternoon, I'm just kind of in a malaise. And, um, you know, again, it's the mental part there for the first two days. The third and fourth day, I am sick. I am horribly sick. I just feel awful. Uh, it's like the worst flu anyone yeah. could ever have. And then by the fifth day after chemo, I'm starting to come out of it and I can start functioning as a, as a human being again. And mm -hmm. day six and seven is when I'm back to normal. And then I get two more weeks before I get to do it all over again. And somehow through all of this, you've managed to just in this past year, I think I've been to Japan, I've been to Canada. I mean, you've, you haven't let it rub as much as you can. You haven't let it really interrupt your life. Right, right. My travel is so important to my wife and me. And so uh, when we can, we, we fit in travel. We try to travel yeah. almost between every session. We don't know how many more trips we're going to have right. because of my situation. So we fit mm -hmm. them in wherever we can. And you did forget the country of Colombia that we hit in February of last year, okay. too. <laughs> Maybe I have some brain fog, but I have no excuse for it. So that's okay. <laughs> that's amazing. So give us a little bit of background on on your on your business acumen for because people don't understand. Hey, just just suffering or going through this journey is one thing, but the fact that you've also have built this amazing several companies before that um, probably adds to the um, what I thought is very interesting about your story. Well, it, it's interesting. So I I ran four different companies over about a twenty year period. I uh, started two of them. And I was a hired gun CEO for two of them. Okay. And um, every one of the companies ended up selling at the end. And nice. so it was, you know, it was a great journey, a great experience to, to have that. But even more valuable for me is after that, I yeah. mentored CEOs for 17 years. Yeah. And that experience through Vistage uh, Worldwide, which is a wonderful organization, I, I learned so much about myself, about the human yeah. being, about resilience about um, the mindset, the mindset is what controls everything. And I was able to help so many others become successful in business and in life by just working on their mindset. And now I've had to work on my own life with my own mindset. And so yeah. the lessons I've worked with with others has helped me immensely in my life. Wow, how um, full circle on that. When you when you work with these CEOs, I'm always curious about that. And I've I've got a couple of friends, Vistage, of course, the one who introduced us, Miriam. But I'm always curious about um, these these men and women who have built great enterprises, right? Five, ten, twenty million dollar, hundred million dollar companies. And yet, when you have to coach them, consult with them one on one, they're like everybody else, right? They got the same struggles and same, challenges we all have. Yes, same struggles, same challenges, same fears. Each one's different. Yeah. Each one has something that prevents them from going to the next level or mm. something that that holds them back in some way yeah. and through so through my questioning and my efforts and working with them 
I find out what that is, and then I help them overcome those things. Wow. See, most people that run companies have this thing called the fraud syndrome. You and I have never talked about this, but they have the fraud system. And that's, they are so afraid that someone's going to figure out at some point that they don't have a clue what they're doing. And the only thing that makes them different from you and me is right. they're willing to make decisions. They're willing to take the, the take on the challenge. And they know they don't know what they're doing, but they're going forward. Or the rest of us, not knowing what we're doing, stop us. Uh, is that is that the number one um discussion when you have these one-on-ones with them is none of them will admit it <laughs> and so how do they say it but i know it i can hear it in in how they answer questions and how they respond they would never say no i see myself as a fraud but they do admit when i talk about that that yeah there is that fear that someone that they really are faking it so i'm curious where that comes from when you talk to people they've got this um Successful enterprise who can just pick an anonymous one or something. They, they built something with employees and revenue, and some of them even had like tremendous exits. Like you've had a couple of great exits with your companies. Um, why do they think they are a fraud? What, what is this going on there? Well, because they've never been there before. They've never, uh, you know, this is the first thing they've ever run, the first company. And every decision they make, uh -huh. it's the first time they're making that decision. Other uh -huh. people may have done it, but they're doing okay. it for the first time. And so they're like, I don't know what I'm doing. I, I haven't done this before. I'm just guessing. And more uh -huh. often than not, they guess right. Interesting. And so, so they're 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 guessing there that, and you help them realize that. What do you? How do you? How do you coach them to make them feel confident about themselves? What are they saying? I ask questions again. Questions are the key to everything. Um, so I'll ask them about what they believe is going to happen uh -huh. and then i ask them and if that doesn't happen then what or what's mm -hmm. possible see all of us have self-limiting beliefs these right. beliefs that that put a break on what we're doing and all i have to do is make it clear that that's just a belief and not a fact because these are beliefs masquerading as fact so if i can get them to understand that their beliefs are not facts then they can go forward so less I never asked this question of you before. This would be good for us. Huh? <laughs> so your belief, I'm not sure what it is now because the doctor told you one thing and you say, okay, I'm going to die sooner than anybody, sooner than, I got a, you know, a clock here. Yeah. And is your belief that go to hell, I'm going to just live anyway? Or do you, how do you walk that line between reality and, and useless hope? Well, actually I believe I'm going to die. I believe cancer is going to kill me. Okay. And so I've got that off the table now, because to me, that's a fact that cancer is going to kill me. There is no cure for it unless we get a miracle and there's a new cure. It's going to kill me. So that's a fact. Now I get to choose how I live every day, knowing that I know it's going to kill me. And so and I also know I'm going to be sick one week out of three. So that means I got two weeks out of three that are going to be awesome and I can live them any way I want. And that's how I go forward. I make sure that those two weeks are the best ever for me and for my wife. So I'm no doctor or therapist or anything, but it feels to me as though that belief that, hey, it's going to happen, so I don't have to worry about it anymore. I'm going to live fully. Maybe that's one of the main reasons your life is being extended beyond what the doctors thought. My doctors are trying to figure out why. 
<laughs> they don't. In fact, I gave my doctor a copy of my book, Cancer's Gifts, because mm -hmm. the, the, the doctor, he was, um, he's like, I don't get it. I've never had anyone go through 67 chemo sessions. I've never had anyone live as full of life as you do. He, you know, he said mm -hmm. to me, he says, I live vicariously through you. Here I am. I'm a cancer patient. I'm I, I'm sick one week out of three. I you know my life is is limited, and yet yeah. he looks at me as something as a guy with a life to admire, and I think that's pretty cool. That's very cool. I'm I I your message needs to get out to anyone who is going through any kind of uh, you know serious illness. I think it's an amazing amazing story and journey. And I held the book up earlier, so I'll do it again. This is the Cancer's Gifts by Les Whitney. There it is for. I put the camera. There we go. Um, a loving journey towards the final chapter. So you're definitely calling it out. Hey, this is this is going to end. It's going to take you out, but you love the journey. Yes, apparently. And I so. love my publisher for coming up, helping me uh, create that title. <laughs> hmm. yeah, who was that? Yeah, some guy. <laughs> yeah, we are. We I have the ability to feature my own clients here, of course. Yes. Um, Tell us more about why you decided to write this book. Then it's also on that topic. You've um, you've got this great life. You're busy traveling the world, living as fully as you can. You know, a week every three, um, or every two rather. How are you flex that? Every three weeks you have chemo. Two weeks out of every three. Two weeks out of every three. Yeah. Um, what what made you decide to, you know, write this book? Well, since the day I was diagnosed, I blogged on a on a website called caring caringbridge.org. Yeah. wonderful website for people who are going through life-threatening diseases, a way to keep all your friends mm -hmm. in touch. I turned mine into a blog and, you know, I had nearly 50,000 visits on my blog wow. and um, so many people said, let's turn this into a book. There's such an important message in here. Yeah. And so I met with, with your organization and mm -hmm. we talked about taking my blog and turning it into a book. And um, that was why I did it. I did it. Well, the primary reason I did it is because I know I'm going to die. And I wanted mm -hmm. my wife to be able to go to people who had never met me and said, you ever met my husband, read this book and this will let you know who he is or who he yeah. was. And yeah. that was the primary reason I wrote the book. Mm, I love that. And um, apparently it's turned into more than just a, a, a expose for your wife's friends or for future people. There's a lot more than that now. You've gotten some speaking, you're donating proceeds to some charities and whatnot. Tell us about that. Okay. I, I am starting to speak all around the community. Uh, the fun thing is every time I've spoken, I've gotten a standing ovation. So that that feeds my ego quite yeah. well. <laughs> I love that. Nothing, nothing um, wrong with that. But I decided, you know, we've lived a good life, my wife and I. We're, we're in a position where we can live the way we want to live for the rest of our lives. We're retired. Yeah. And so um, I thought, well, every one of the, every dollar of royalties I receive from mm -hmm. my book will go to one of three charities. We'll mm -hmm. go to three different charities. It'll go to yeah. American Cancer Society, caringbridge.org for helping me with my message and the mm -hmm. Rotary Foundation because I've been a lifelong Rotarian. Ah, nice, nice. Okay. That's a beautiful thing. So when I'm going through this book, and I did I did read it a couple of times like you did, I'm sure. Um, I found that you probably picked up a medical degree while you're while you're doing all this <laughs> stuff. You've learned quite a bit. Um, 
What were some of the surprising things, other than the fact you're still here, what's one of the surprising things as you recall and you look back on your own journey? Wow. Um, I think, first off, how everyone's response to medicine and chemo is different. There is no, mm -hmm. uh, there's no roadmap for anyone. All of us are going to react to it in a different way. Right. And the doctors don't really know how to tell, at least my experience has been, they don't know how to tell me these are the things that can happen to you. This is what it's going to be like. And that's part of why I wrote the book and gave it to my doctors because I really spell out what I go through each week, each yeah. month. I spell it out. And so people can understand the, the physical and emotional turmoil of mm. going through treatments for cancer or just mm. what it does to the human psyche to, to be ill and to um, have your family and all your loved ones so concerned about my well-being and yep. they're worried about it. so i have to help them feel better too well I'm, I'm trying to make myself feel better you're teaming up you're teeing up my next question about that because what i found fascinating and having gone through other friends and relatives passing whatnot people trying to make you feel better about it or whatnot we don't know what to say i don't know what to say when someone dies i don't know what to say when someone's dying and you cover that very well in your book Les. so i'd love for you to take a few minutes and explain to people how to help others when they're watching or observing or even going through this this journey like this. Well, a few minutes is tough to get it all in in a few minutes, but um, okay, take five. I'll give you six minutes. It's your show. I did. I did make a, a list of seven things that I felt helped me as I was going through it from friends. But the main mm -hmm. thing is um, to acknowledge, you know, less I understand you're sick. I, I get it, and. Yeah. Um, I want to understand what you're going through less. I don't want to tell you, don't worry about it. Don't, you know, don't put any burden on me. Just listen to how I'm feeling. The anyone who is willing to, to just listen to me talk about my, how I'm feeling bad. And then when I say, you know, Oh, I'm, I'm feeling like I'm going to throw up. How's that for graphic? And they say, Oh no, you shouldn't. I don't want to hear that. Just say, Oh, I'm, you know, I know that's tough. I get it. I understand. So that kind of thing really helps. Another thing that really helps is um, caregivers have such a burden. My wife has such a burden in taking care of me. And what we need is a project manager. There's medications, there's appointments, there's so much going on. And mm. I literally, my brain doesn't function one week out of three. So for me to try to organize my life and keep track of my medicines and everything, it's just too much. And so yeah. if a friend can help with that, that's mm -hmm. it. And yeah. then when people get very sick, where the caregiver has to be around all the time, there's still a need to get the laundry done, to get the house clean, to, to buy groceries. And if people would just step up and say, I'm going grocery shopping, yeah. let me pick up some things for you, or even I'll come and make a list in your house. Yeah. The, the main thing I don't want is someone to give me more responsibility. So if someone says to me, how can I help? It's like, wait, now it's up to me. You just put something on my plate to figure oh, out. Cure, how to oh, cure for cancer while you're, while you're thinking of things you can help. Yeah, that's right. It's so just try to help. Think of for yourself, what right. would help me if I was in Les's shoes and then do right. it. 
And if you yeah. do it and, and I, it, I don't want it or I don't need it, it doesn't matter. The fact that you did something is so meaningful. Uh, it's so important to not, not put the burden on you. We don't think we're putting a burden. When I say those words, how can I help? But yeah, you're putting a, you're making me, yeah, it's awkward, I'm sure. And be easier to talk about what not to say than what to say. Because you mentioned a bunch of things that people say, oh, you can fight this. Or, or a lot of times people come back, oh, yeah, my dad had that too. Type of thing like, talking about your dad. <laughs> it's like, exactly. Exactly. Cover those it's, things. What are some of the common like, things people are saying they think is helpful, but it's really not? It's not. Well, just, you know, when I say, you know, my cancer is incurable. Oh, you don't know that it's going to be cured. They're going to find something. You know, that's false hope. I mean, yeah. if it happens, great, but I'm not going to hope for it because yeah. that takes my energy away from today and puts it on something in the future. Oh, nice. I want my energy today. So just say, be empathetic. Say, you know, mm -hmm. that's awful. I can't imagine what it would feel like to go through that. And um, I'm, you know, if I'm here for you, I just want to hold your hand less. I just want to be here with you if that's okay. Yeah. And then being with me, they can see what my needs are and they can step up and help. And the same mm -hmm. thing is be with my wife, just be with her. And yeah. by being around her, you can see what her needs are. You know, my wife's out right now helping uh, senior citizens in our community because that's her passion. So I'm on this podcast and she's out helping other people when she's not helping me. So yeah. I don't know. It's just being helpful is being present and being right. aware without prescribing yeah i get enough okay. prescriptions from my doctors <laughs> that's right a lot, of, a lot of stuff there but what, what are the key things you you mentioned which made me realize a lot when i was when i was talking about this book was the word fighting it you know yeah. and there's a there's a double-edged sword that yeah of course you want to you know i don't know you talk tell me your feelings about that when there's people fighting or battling cancer. i'm not battling i'm not fighting cancer i'm living with cancer mm -hmm. if i say i'm fighting it I'm expecting to win a battle in my mind. Right, and right. this is a no-win situation. So mm -hmm. I'm living with cancer. I'm living with this situation. I'm not fighting mm -hmm. it. And that's really important to me. I will not say those words. I won't say the words I'm a survivor. Yeah. Because again, survivor means I'm past it to me mm -hmm. in my yeah. mind. So yeah. I'm not a survivor. I'm living with cancer. I'm gonna live with cancer as long as I'm living. And I'm good with that because I've accepted it. And acceptance right. is, is such a key for me. I'm, I'm, the more I hear you talk about that, the more I think it also relates to how you have extended your life. Because when, you, when you're in battle, there's tension, conflict, there's cortisone level changes. There's all yeah. that stuff going on in your psyche that translates to your body. And when you're not fighting, you're at peace. I'm thinking your body's more relaxed and it can you know, do what it's going to do, do without accelerating it, I think. I think that's probably true. And, and people that are a lot more knowledgeable than me would be able to tell you why that works physiologically. But yeah. I, I believe that's true. Well, I had, I had one one uh, doctor we work with who runs a big cancer clinic out there in, in Orange County. And uh, people come to her when, the, when they're when the primary doctor says, you know, get your affairs in order. They go to her for, you know, the Hail Mary, whatnot. And she said, well, you know, I'll try everything. Holistic, straight medicine, whatever, whatever. We'll try anything. But there's no, she doesn't put a death sentence on anybody. So I don't know when you're gonna go. Only God knows. But we're gonna we're gonna treat you like you're gonna live. And this one guy had um, again stage four something was pretty serious, and they tried a bunch of things, right? And nothing was working. It got worse, worse, worse. And she says, I don't know. Once you start watching a comedy movie every day, 
And this guy watched two comedies a day, laughed his head off. And in his case, it went into remission and he, you know, came out of it. But um, I think that attitude, that energy in our bodies has a lot to do with it. And I think that's why you still have your hair. Because <laughs> it, it looks so dashingly uh, handsome. And oh. 67 chemo treatments. My gosh. Keep going. Keep going. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we haven't even got the ukulele part yet. That's the, that's, that's the one thing I got to hear you play last time I saw you. It was, it was beautiful. <laughs> You know, you. And there's no tiny Tim here. Your hair is much better than his. Yeah. For those of you who know who tiny Tim was, you got to have gray hair like less than I know tiny Tim. But that's right. It was the only the only famous ukulele player besides you is tiny Tim. <laughs> um. All right. So you got this book out. You're speaking. Um. What's your next adventure? Um. Well, I've I'm I'm starting to push the envelope and and do things during my sick days. I went to Japan while I was sick, and yeah. uh, it was miserable. And I told myself never do it again. And now I just signed up to go to Nashville to a national conference for Vistage during my sick days. And um, so I you know I'm gonna just try to push through it even during the, those situations. Um, yeah. But I'm. Um, uh, going to Vietnam and Cambodia in February. So wow. that'll be a wonderful experience. Mm -hmm. And I'm just looking for speaking opportunities now around the community and anywhere where I can um, share my message and right. get people. I just feel like everyone needs to hear that life is glorious and that no matter what happens, you can have a good life for the rest of your life. Wow means a lot coming from you. Thank you very much. The uh, book is called Cancer's Gifts. You can check it out on Amazon, of course. You can contact Les for speaking arrangements. Do you want to give any contact information here, Les, or how they can get um, a hold of you? They can get a hold of me at uh, an email at les at whitneystrategy.com okay. is a way. You can check out, go to caringbridge.org and type in Les Whitney and you can see all my updates. I update about every two or three weeks. I like yeah. to tell little stories in my updates. I had my last update was a story that just received lots of great comments and, um, uh, and get the book. <laughs> so that's we go to yeah. Amazon and get the book and you'll, you'll learn all about me and who I am as a human being. And Perfect. by the way, Doug, thank you and your organization because I couldn't have written the book without you. Uh, okay. you're my publisher and you've made this, uh, first you made the process extremely easy for me, mm -hmm. which was wonderful. And, uh, I think the final product turned out to be pretty nice. So thank you for all you've done and all your effort. Uh, you're very welcome. It's, it's a pleasure to work with someone as interesting as you. And as uh, like I said, I've learned a lot from my own life. So thank you. Wow. On that note, before I shed a tear, thank you, Les. I appreciate you so much. And all those, all those things he mentioned, folks, his website, uh, email, Caring Bridge, all below in the show notes here. So check that out and um, appreciate you. Uh, that's a great closing word. Well, let's, let's leave it at that. Thank you very much. Great to have you on today. Thank you, Doug. You bet. Uh, that's the show today. That's Author Your Brand Show. Make sure um, you're going to want to take notes. I hope you did. If you didn't, click below because there's show notes there for you. Have a great day.